No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. What the context tells us about temptation, we can think about not being tempted beyond what we can bear in terms of our trials in life too, in terms of suffering. God won't let our trials go beyond what we can bear. And this word for temptation can be translated trial. I believe that's true. God doesn't give us more in general than we can bear, but this verse isn't about that. And the context tells us this is about temptation to sin. So we're going to be focusing there because that's what the context tells us to do. And that's why the Bible translators translated this word that can also be translated trial, temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, beginning at verse 6. This is God's holy and infallible word. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. This is referring to the, the people of Israel. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. Now, these things happened, these things in the people of Israel's history happened as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So we've got a promise that you can overcome temptation. That God won't give you more than you can bear. This is a great promise. And it's a really needed promise because temptation is all around us. Someone once noticed, isn't it crazy how opportunity knocks once, yet temptation bangs on our door constantly? Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, because it's a daily challenge. In fact, it can be a minute-by-minute -minute challenge. I found something uh, from Moody Monthly. They once had a write-up about how constant temptation can be for a believer over the course of just a regular day. And I'm just going to read it kind of how they put it. Staying in bed late, the temptation to laziness growling at a family member at the breakfast table, the temptation to unkindness, arguing over who should change the baby this time, the temptation to selfishness, starting work 10 minutes late, the temptation to slothfulness, losing your temper when a coworker does something that frustrates you, the temptation to impatience, 
flirting with that good-looking woman or taking a second look at the good-looking man, the temptation to lust, refusing to speak to a person, a person who has hurt you, the temptation to malice, repeating a juicy story of your neighbor's misfortune, the temptation to gossip, thinking sensual thoughts, the temptation to impurity, taking your anger out on your kids or your spouse after a hard day, temptation to cruelty, going out to eat when you're taking the money from your tithe, the temptation to self-indulgence, having a second helping and then a third and maybe more, the temptation to gluttony, firing off a hasty email or to, a, to someone who's hurt you, the temptation to revenge. Paul writes, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And behind this promise is the reality that temptation is common to everyone. Don't be surprised, in other words, by temptation. Don't expect to sort of skate through life without having to face temptations. As God's people have to realize how pervasive temptation is, don't ignore that this is a critical matter as we think about our Christian living. And I think as we look at this promise, this is part of what God's Word is telling us today, reminding us of temptation. This is a problem. This is a critical matter. In the verses just before this, the ones that we're reading, Paul's giving examples uh, from the Old Testament to warn us about temptation. And he's telling us about God's people living in that time between when they were saved from slavery in Egypt and before they went into the promised land and, and how they fell into temptation. These temptations that God's people experienced back then are common to us today also. I don't think Paul's trying to give us an exhaustive view of all temptation that we face, but I think it is a pretty good overview. He mentions idolatry in verse 7. A great pastor named Tim Keller talks a lot about idolatry, and he's got a whole book that I really recommend on idolatry today. We tend to think of idolatry as an Old Testament problem, but it's more than that. Keller defines an idol as anything that absorbs our heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek that you seek to give you that only God can give. An idol is whatever you look at and say, if I have that, I'll feel like my life has meaning. Then I'll know I have value. Then I'll feel significant and secure. And, and so not just ancient Israel was tempted to idolatry. We are too. This definition of idolatry is how money can be tempting and become an idol. If you feel secure, when you've got a certain amount of money in your bank account and in your investments, a spouse, whether it's a current spouse or an imagined spouse in the future, can be an idol. If I have this kind of relationship, someone to love and to love me, and that absorbs our heart and imagination in such a way that we're pushing out God, it's possible to have work idolatry, overly prioritizing being really productive and getting a lot done in your life. Family idolatry, 
My source of happiness and joy is when my children are happy and when we're all together. That is what truly gives my life meaning and satisfaction. So many otherwise good things in life can tempt us to get overly caught up in them and absorbed in them rather than or more than in our Lord God. Verse 8, ancient Israel committed sexual immorality. And that's a more obvious temptation for us today too, every day. Whether it's thinking about where we let our thoughts and imaginations wander, where we visit online or where we go on TV, in addition to the more physical ways that this can happen, whether we're married or unmarried. Verse 10 uh, reminds us of how God's Old Testament people grumbled. So apparently grumbling is a temptation, a discontentedness or a negativity that can lead to a complaining, whether it's about someone's church or their salary or just your lot in life. And You know, grumbling sounds like maybe not a big deal, a minor thing. So what if I'm a little bit of a negative person? That's kind of my my characteristic. That's my thing. And people, I'm kind of lovable as I do it. But grumbling is listed right here alongside of idolatry and sexual immorality. God had punishment for those other sins and He killed the grumblers with a destroying angel in the Old Testament. That says something. Thankfully, he's so much more patient than us. He sent Jesus. But as saved people, let's not test his patience by living in this sin or in any other. So God's word is telling us with these examples from Israel, watch out. You can also be tempted. In fact, You will be tempted. Expect it, children of God. Don't be surprised. This is part of the Christian life and walk that temptation will come our way. That's a warning, but in a sense, there's a comfort in that, at least to me, because if you feel and when you feel the pressure to fall into sin, you sense temptation, well, You're in line with God's people throughout all of history. You're dealing with challenges that everyone around you, everyone in these pews deals with. You're not alone. As we let the reality of temptation sink in, it also becomes very obvious that like ancient Israel here, temptation has got us. Sometimes we've blown it. We've fallen into sin as a result of temptation. And as God's children, that grieves us. We hate that when that happens. The great promise of Scripture here in this verse is that we don't have to succumb to temptation. Temptations don't have to get us. We don't have to fall. Though we've fallen, very likely we will again, We don't have to. You can withstand temptation. That is God's promise in this promise this morning. And that's where the rest of this verse comes in. We find that though temptations come, God 
does not allow Satan open season on us. We read, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. In other words, God has set limits on our temptation. And they don't have to overwhelm us. He won't let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. At the beginning of Job, God's word pulls back the curtain and we have this rare behind-the-scenes glimpse of what's going on in spiritual warfare. We read there how the great tempter, Satan, had to talk to God. He had to go through God before he was allowed to tempt God's servant, Job. God is not the source of sin or evil. He does not do evil. But he is in control, and he's sovereign over all things, even this. In God's sovereignty, though we can feel pummeled by temptation, he does not allow Satan open season on his children. He sets limits. He will say no further than so far. God knows each one of us through and through. He knows what you can handle. He knows what you can't. It might feel sometimes that you just can't resist the devil's temptation. You got to do it. But then we remember this promise. God will not allow Satan open season on you. You won't get more than you can bear. And in fact, he'll provide an escape hatch. Whenever you're tempted, writes Paul, God will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. We can expect God's help in temptation. One person puts it this way, God is sovereign over the weight of temptation. He sets limit on how much it is on us. And he's also sovereign over the escape from temptation. He'll always provide a way out. The promise is that he will, that we can stand firm, we can stand up. I'm not sure we always feel that a way out is possible, but God promises us, yes, indeed, there is always one. And the reason we can stand up, we can withstand, we can stand firm, is because of our Lord Jesus. The Gospels tell us that he withstood all of Satan's temptations. And unlike ours, his were not common to everyone. These were the heaviest temptations imaginable. Jesus was tempted and he did not fall. He tempted and he did not once sin in temptation. He stood firm. He followed the Father's will all the way to the cross where he died to atone for the many times each one of us has fallen into temptation. And when we belong to him, we have the strength to stand up under temptation. Jesus promises that each believer has the Holy Spirit, and in the Spirit we have the power to escape temptation. Charles Spurgeon gives some helps as we think about that practically standing firm in temptation. He says this, What settings are you in when you fall? 
Avoid those settings. What props do you have that support you in your sin? Get rid of them. What people are you usually with? Avoid those people. He says this too, learn to say no. It will be more use to you than learning to be able to read Latin. Learn to say no. It's not a big secret here. It's a struggle going on in my family. It's that my four-year-old daughter, Adriana, enjoys candy. Now, we all enjoy candy, but she has trouble controlling herself. And again, we all have trouble controlling ourselves with candy, but she really has trouble controlling herself. And she knows it. And so uh, the rest of us have to suffer a bit as we try to keep that temptation out of the house. Or if we have it, we have to hide it really well. I mean, even if it's really well hidden in one of the other girls' rooms, We'll see like empty raptors after a day or so. So she like dug into it. She just left with Olivia, so she's not hearing all this, which is probably for the best. If it ever does come around, if she ever sees it, maybe it's on the counter, she'll tell Sarah, she's done this a few times now, Mom, put it high up. Put it high up. She knows that that temptation is a problem she knows that it needs to get out of her reach. Now, it seems to me, you know, I think Adrienne is a, a pretty regular four-year-old. I like to think she's extremely bright, but I'm her dad. But it seems to me if a four-year-old can figure this stuff out, do you think maybe the rest of us can figure it out or kind of know what our props are? know that if certain things are within our reach, it's going to be a problem. We, we know what circumstances cause us to go down a certain path or maybe what people do, what things do. So avoid them. Remove them. The promise is it's not hopeless for you or for me as a child of God. You have the strength to avoid temptation in the Lord. It's a promise. And then then with God's strength, I believe we're also called to take the steps like mom put it high up. We're also called to take the steps we need to take to escape it. As we close here, there's, just, there's one more thing I want us to think about and talk about, and that's uh, the motivation to work on escaping temptation. Why do we not want to fall into sin? Why do we want to do all we can to find that escape hatch that God will provide for each and every temptation? Is it so that we feel really good about ourselves? Is it so that if we avoid temptation more than fall into it, then God will let us into heaven? Do we avoid temptation so we don't feel guilty? No, I don't think we want to overcome temptation for any of those reasons. That's not the motivation. There's a bigger reason. Our day-to-day -day walking closely with God and avoiding sin is about communion with Jesus Christ. 
This is about our relationship with our Savior. We don't want anything to come between us and Him. And that's, in the end, what sin really does. It hinders our relationship with our God. And that's why it's worth it to battle temptation and sin and to stand up. Paul says in verse 11 that we read that the fulfillment of the ages has come. Well, the fulfillment of the ages, that's Jesus. And it's how he reconciles us to God, brings us into a relationship with God, a perfectly loving and secure, eternal, blessing-filled relationship. I could have gone on to read, but I didn't, uh, verses 14 and following. It's a whole other section, another title in the NIV, but I think it connects to our promise in verse 13. In verse 14 and following, Paul is talking about the Lord's Supper. And I think it's connected. It's connected in this way. We call the Lord's Supper communion. So that tells us that it's about our relationship with God. We know it's about our relationship with others too, but it's about our relationship with God. Communing with our Heavenly Father. And Paul talks in those verses about that, how we participate, fellowship in the body and blood of the Lord. And then he talks about the opposite of that. And he tells us that sinning, idolatry, is participating with the darkness. And so we avoid sin so we can have fellowship with God. And and that's the difference between falling into temptation and standing firm. When we sin, when we go down that path, we're participating with evil. We're dabbling with Satan. We're fellowshipping. If even we don't want to for our whole life, but we're fellowshipping for just a little bit because it's kind of fun and it makes us feel good, we're fellowshipping with the enemy. But when we overcome, we're communing with our God. And that's why we want to avoid temptation and flee it. We want more than anything else in our lives to fellowship with God in Jesus and not fellowship with evil. God found us, each one of us, in a mess, in our sin, in darkness, Jesus rescued us for this new life in the Spirit that we enjoy life now and forever. And temptation tries to pull us back to the old life, the old ways, the darkness. The great promise today is that though Satan may tempt and the pull can be strong, we can stand up and firm in Jesus. God will not allow Satan open season on his children or on you, he sets limits. You won't be tempted beyond what you can bear, and he'll always provide a way out because of God's faithfulness in Jesus. My prayer is that God would give each one of us the strength to be aware of temptation in the life of Christians, be able to identify them and be very clear about what our particular ones are, 
and that God would give us the strength to stand up under them. He promises us that we can with the strength of his son, our faithful Jesus.